Noteworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. everybody. It's an Upworthy weekly podcast. My name is Todd Perry and a staff writer at Upworthy. And with me is the wonderful Allison Rosen. How are you doing, Allison Rosen? Besides Hello? Having... Besides COVID? Having... Co- Just yeah. say it. Just spit it out. We don't have to censor ourselves. We can just be straightforward about the fact that I am one of the many. Yes, I had... I had I was one of the special few who didn't have it before. And did I feel better than everyone? It turns out I did. I knew that it was luck, but I also felt like it was like something about me being super careful and masking and blah, 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 blah. Yes, I just did make a fart sound. And now I have fallen. My son got it. And then my other son got it. And then my husband got it. And still, I for days and days, didn't have it. Yes, I felt sick. Sure, felt like crud. Still testing negatively. I was like, maybe I caught something else. Doesn't make any sense, but I'm still negative. And then it turned out I had it. Um, And for all the people who are like, oh yeah, no, it's just like a cold. I just had a tiny bit of sniffles. This is for a day. My mom told me, yeah, my nostril felt funny. So I tested myself. My mom (laughs) had a nostril that felt funny. This was a different strain. The strain that I have is not just my nostril feels funny. So if you can avoid this, which I don't think you can because everyone's getting it, including you, Todd, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel good. I don't recommend it. It's, it's mild, like you don't have to go to the hospital, but um, it feels like crap for a number of days. So anyway, I'm great. So you don't feel like you were blessed with the miracle of COVID. You feel like it's actually something <laughs> that is uncomfortable. I find I did a pro and con list and the cons outweigh the pro. Zuh. So on today's show, we're going to talk about <laughs> the uh, most popular and engaging <laughs> stories from the week of July 11th through the 15th. And uh, before we get into that, before we get into that, uh, this week was a special week in my life. I know while you were sitting there sneezing and mm. bleeding from the ears Coughing. and cursing the gods, uh, I was at a retreat with the lovely people from Upworthy where I work, the wonderful co-workers there, and we had a, uh, there was a whole bunch of like guest speakers to kind of get us all motivated and keep our good, you know, Upworthy vibe going. Joseph R. Upworthy was saying a lot of encouraging things and getting people to like bond together. So overall, it was a a wonderful time. But one thing that really stuck out to me, the one thing that I thought I I can immediately take to the listeners of this podcast, uh, there was a motivational speaker we had who had done TED Talks named Christian Bush. Uh, no relation to George P. or Barbara. Um, he was from somewhere in Europe. And he wrote a book called The Serendipity Mindset, which is not an indie band, but a book title. And he gave a, a, a talk about how just that if you believe you are a lucky person, you will have more fortuitous things happen to you in life than if you believe you are unlucky. So I would say, miss, 
you know, Allison Rosen. Uh, here we go. Super, super <laughs> cautious about COVID-19. Gets COVID-19. Todd Perry, pretty cautious in the pre-vaccine days. In the post-vaccine days, kind of living his life. Uh, feels lucky, no COVID whatsoever. But I would just say, Allison, it, but in general, outside of from mm. the tremendously terrible luck you, you've got recently by getting a communicable disease, even though you protected yourself against it. Uh, in general, do you find yourself to be a lucky person? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I feel like I'm like right down the middle. So there are times of my mm. life where I've, I've felt a little bit lucky, yes. And then there are times... There are times where I would have, could I give a more jumbled answer that is going to sit in the middle of your story and like slow it down? Mm. Uh, there are times where I was like, but things always break my way. Why is life not going my way? And I'm not talking about little things like, oh, they gave me salad with dressing when I asked for it on the side. Like, like big, big things that, that like broke my heart. And I was like, well, I thought they thought that I was supposed to be lucky. What's happening? Um, so yeah, I'd say like, I'm kind of in the middle. Okay. Okay. You're in the, the mushy middle ground. Like, eh, mm -hmm. good stuff happens. Uh, sometimes crap happens. Sometimes. Okay. Yeah. I think in general, I have kind of a mindset that I I think I'm on the pro, I think I'm lucky side. Because uh, yeah. your Beastie Boys poster weird situation that you manifested. Yeah, that I used the secret to manifest a, a Beastie Boys poster <laughs> back in uh, 1994. Yes, but I, I think in general, uh, I, I think, I think I'm lucky because I think I tend to put myself in situations where luck can happen. Um, a certain bespectacled, bespectacled uh, New York comedian once said, "You know, 80% of life is just showing up," and I think in in life in general, I tend to try to show up to things and then maybe something uh, lucky will happen to me. But so this guy gave a, a really cool speech with us on luck. And I just want to play a second from his Ted talk. Um, and this is but George serendipity Bush. is about smart luck. It's about luck that we work very hard for. And so what the fascinating thing about this is at some point, then it's not either working hard or having luck, but it's working really hard to have more luck. And so what do I mean with this? All of the examples I mentioned before, and examples like Viagra, penicillin, up to 50% of innovations and, and inventions, potentially how you found the love of your life and so on, are serendipitous. And it's always the same process. There's some kind of unexpected trigger happening, right? An unexpected serendipity trigger where you spill the coffee, um, or I can, uh, you know, there's this wonderful uh, example of the potato washing machine, I'll, I'll tell you in a second, that, that kind of illustrates that even more. But so there's some unexpected trigger happening, COVID, you name it, and then you have to do something with it. You can't pick that situation a lot of times, but you can pick your response to it. How do you interpret this accident? What do you do with it? And then we also, of course, a lot of times need the tenacity to actually go through with it. Not enough to just, you know, bump into your potential love interest. You've got to have to go on a couple of dates, right? And not enough to just have this brilliant idea. You actually have to work on it to make it happen. So serendipity is a lot of times a long process. It might start 20 years ago, and then today you might realize, oh my God, now I have the big idea that was incepted actually a long time ago. So the interesting Can I ask a question. Oh wait, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so annoying. I'm more annoying now with COVID. I'm 19 times more annoying. Just ask my husband. 
he can't stand it. He told me yesterday that he feels like he's in prison. And he's been really, he's been really depressed. He feels better physically, but emotionally he's like, ugh. And so yesterday he told me that life just feels like prison. And I told him, I don't know. I, I'm like, I, I'm trying not to take that personally. And he's like, why? And I'm like, because you just told me life in this family feels like prison. And he said, no, I, I don't mean, I don't mean life with this family. I just mean life in this house. And I'm like, oh, okay. But I don't, I don't know how he really meant it. I think he meant living life in these four walls is beginning to feel like prison or he pivoted quickly. My question is, cause I can't get past this. What did this Bush dude, he mentioned Viagra and he mentioned a potato washing machine. What were those references to? Oh, that Viagra came like there was some, it was some kind of like heart medication for people with bad hearts. And then oh. after the guys took it, they're like, Whoa, I've just had a response down there. I haven't had in years. <laughs> I see. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. And the potato washer thing is way, way long story. Uh, also, it. the good thing is, Allison, at least he didn't say life here here in this home with his family is like hell, which is the only thing worse than saying it's a prison. So that's a positive. <laughs> Another thing for the pro column. But what happens is this guy, there was a lot of great studies this guy cited, but one of them was, and I think this is a benefit to our listening audience, is that... They did a study where they found somebody who finds themselves unlucky and someone who finds themselves lucky, and they had them just walk in to get a coffee at a coffee shop. And the person who, people who thought themselves to be lucky were much more likely to find a $5 bill that had been dropped on the floor than people who considered themselves unlucky. So on hmm. a deeper level, we have this kind of mindset uh, People have a sort of mindset that dictates whether uh, serendipity happens in their life, and this guy tries to teach people how to do it. So it was an interesting thing called the serendipity mindset. The guy's name, Christian Bush, that's B-U-S-C-H, like the beer. And uh, yeah, I just thought it was cool. So, you know, people out there, if you're listening and you want to improve your luck in life, lots of it has to do with your attitude. Now, Alice. That makes sense. Yeah. Now, Alice. Yes. Can we get to some stories here? <sighs> Can we? So, uh, found this interesting video that explains why people looked a lot older in the past than they do today. I don't know if you've noticed this. Perhaps you'll be thumbing through an old yearbook, like your parents' yearbook or something, and you look at high schoolers back then and you're like they all look like they're 35 or you see a picture of someone from the past who was uh, I was actually just I was reading Elvis and me mm. which is a wonderful memoir uh, and I think it was her mom when she was 42 she looks like she's like 65 it's just nuts the way people when they when we look at quote unquote the past younger people look so old uh, and, and why did, why does that happen? Oh, you're holding an Elvis mug. There you go. Um, so educator Michael Stevens made a YouTube video that explains this phenomenon and it's called retrospective aging. Uh, he took 20 minutes or so to explain it, but I'm going to break it down in, in just a couple sentences. People in the past wore the styles associated with youth. Uh, like Buddy Holly glasses, and they clung on to these styles associated with youth as they got older. Um, but now we 
associate those st- because it was in the past we associate those styles with old age so when we look at it uh we think those are old people things but they were clinging to the styles of youth however it's i believe more complicated than that because also some of the pictures in the videos are like you know look at these 25 year olds don't they look older and they're like totally bald so it's more than that we have a couple clips but uh, <laughs> I'm going to blame the COVID-19 for the way that I've uh, bungled the setup of this. Look, some of it is perception, retrospective aging. And then uh, I'm just going to set, I'm just going to, I'm just going to lay out the whole thing and then we'll hear a couple clips. Some of it is retrospective aging. It's perception. But then a little bit is there is sort of a, a, an actual material aspect to it. So things like nutrition, sunscreen, lifestyle, and medicine have also played a role. Uh, so there was a little more rapid aging back then. Uh, here's okay. him talking about the rapid aging angle. Okay. Humans today really are aging more slowly than their historic counterparts. Changes in lifestyle, nutrition, smoking habits, healthcare, early life conditions, and skin care, particularly the use of sunscreen, are a huge part of it. By comparing measures of metabolic, cardiovascular, inflammatory kidney, liver, and lung function across time, researchers at Yale and USC have found that we are, in fact, staying younger for longer than we used to. So he makes a good point that actually, you know, you know, especially, you ever watch the movie Grease? You watch that movie Grease? Oh my God, they're so old. They're, well, they're old. I mean, there was actually old actors, but everybody's like chain smoking in that movie, yes. right? You realize every like fifteen-year-old like had a pack of cigarettes rolled up, right? So mm-hmm. you know, people look a little older if they are, you know, uh, on the frajos. But uh, also, the guy made a point that uh, about the perception that we have of people because they are wearing outdated. Styles that we look at them differently and we overestimate what they look like. And if we put them in a modern style, then they would look, they look fine. a little younger. Yeah. Let's take a listen. Superficial styles and mannerisms can often make not just a big difference, but all the difference, which supports the hypothesis that retrospective aging is often an illusion. Mm. Modes of self expression are always changing. Clothing, hairstyles, accessories, makeup, mannerisms, language, body language. Now, modes can come back, but never exactly. The context is always a little bit different. And from what's available or acceptable at any one time, we each draw ways of appearing or being in the world. And you notice how freaky that music is in the background? Oh, my God. I was thinking about it. Yes. I feel like I'm, like, at uh, a club, and I don't want to be there anymore. You, you, don't, you don't want to? <laughs> With your outdated style? I, I felt like I was on Space Mountain. You know, they start pumping in music mm-hmm. on Space mm-hmm. Mountain behind you, and it's like... Yeah. Even if you don't care about how you look or think about how you act, what options you even have are dictated by what's currently popular or normal or being pushed on people like you. Few of us stay at the stream, 
drawing what's new all our lives. For various reasons, we often wander away with our catch. Perhaps. Uh, okay, yeah, basically the guy's saying that at a certain point, we just opt out of giving a crap about fashion. We get locked into a look because we just don't have the time or energy. And then yes. we run with that forever. And then mm -hmm. we have the appearance of an old person. So right. if, yeah. And, and like you were saying with the Buddy Holly glasses, if the guy at 50 is still wearing them, when we see an older picture of somebody with Buddy Holly glasses, we transpose, this is an old person. Mm-hmm. I like part of the video, and this is going to sound like a joke, but he takes the Golden Girl, the the you know the actresses dressed as their Golden Girls characters, and then puts them in like modern young person, younger, like they almost look like Real Housewives by the end, and it is crazy how much younger they look with long hair and stuff. Mm -hmm. I, you know this this video puts me in what what I call like a no win scenario. Because let's say that I probably dress in the style of a dad, <laughs> but I think that normally but like you're a hip dad, hip dad, yeah, hip dad. But hip that's dad. just kind of like I don't know. Probably my clothing. If I go out and I, and I put something on, it looks like indie rock kid from 1996, kind of still, right? Like the the mm -hmm. style I choose to wear, you know, whether I'm wearing Converse and some vintage shirt or whatever. So the the problem is, so then young people now see that and it's old. I, I look old wearing it, even though I think it's like hip kid gear from when I was in. It still looks old. So, but if I update my look, like if I wore like you know a a pink hoodie, like the guys <laughs> who wear. I don't even know. Okay, go ahead. Like, if I dress like Pete Davidson or like Machine oh, Gun God. Kelly or like I had, <laughs> I had like a, a face tattoo or uh, like a nose ring, then I wouldn't look, I, I, would st I would just look like a ridiculous old person, right? Mm -hmm. So there's like yeah, no you, way. You look like Tommy Lee or something. Yes, yes. And so I'll just look ridiculous. So there's kind of no way out of, of to avoid uh, both of us appearing old. Yeah. Yeah. I See, that's the thing is like, I, I don't even to me, you look like cool, young, hip dad. But that's because I'm old, too. Because we're the same age. We're old. It's old assessing old. I don't know how how we do it. I don't know what. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, I, I think I, we have to accept it. Yeah, well, no, I think the thing is we just avoid being around people who are younger than us, besides our children. Probably. <laughs> right. You know. So, and then also, Listen. like, it's your vocabulary gives it away, too, because, mm -hmm. you know, if I'm like, oh, that's tight. Oh, that's dope. They're going to be like, that's how people talked in the 90s. You're a 90s right. person. Does your kid use any slang? He uses, like, the type He's of... He's probably too young. It's the type that they use in cartoons, you know, like oh. the type of like action star slang, like chases on the case, you know, mm -hmm. it's that type of stuff. So, no, he's not he's not like, yo, dad. Hey, bro. These lucky charms are on fleek, you know. <laughs> Have you seen this? And it's a visual, so I'll try to describe it. That millennials make a heart like this, and I am making a heart with my hands. The top of the heart is my fingers, and the bottom is my thumb. Whereas Gen Z, uh oh, I don't know that I can do it, makes it 
shoot. I don't know how to do it. This just shows how old I am. Makes it so, like maybe like this. No, I don't know. There's some way that Gen Z does it. No, I'm doing it wrong, I think. I don't know. It's like with, I don't know. I guess you, with, with like, it's just there. Well, I've done it wrong. No. Is it like this? It just looks Gen like you're Z having does it a some other way or something. Or like. <laughs> That's just the way I'm doing it. Oh. oh, I know. It's like this. Gen Z does it with their middle fingers is the top part, part of the heart and their index fingers is the bottom part. And that's supposed to be some indication of your age. I don't, Gen Z doesn't even do it at all. I guess you haven't seen this. I'm hipper yeah. than you. It, it, but it's also like how old people have like amazing cursive writing. Yes. You ever see like like when my grandma yes. would s- scratch out a check, like it was all like perfect mm. looking. And me, it just looks like a doctor. Like for me, cursive isn't about being formal. It's about not having to lift my pen up. It For me, it takes about two tries to write a check. I usually have to void <laughs> out the first one because I made some kind of mistake that's like I can't fix. I do the same exact thing. Like, whenever the gardener yeah. comes, I'm like, I've got to rip that check right. up. i got to try it again. Yeah. Like, thank goodness I don't have to write checks very often because I waste so many of them. Upworthy Weekly. Now, this is a weird one because this never aired on Upworthy. But it felt Upworthy to me, and when I saw the video, I think I saw the video on Reddit, I was like, that's really cool, that's kind of where my brain is, I want to share this, but I couldn't really figure out how to turn it into a full story. So I just punted on it, but I, f- when I, first, but I went back to it again after the first time I saw it, and I was like, this is pretty cool. Uh, and then I thought, you know what, I'm going to share it with our podcast audience. So uh, if you guys would oblige me this uh, a guy named Rodney Norman created a YouTube video, and he's looking off into a beautiful lake. And he's got, like, crazy beard and crazy hair. He looks like the kind of guy you'd stumble upon in the Pacific Northwest. You know? <laughs> like, rugged, but hippie. You know, wearing some Patagonia stuff. And his main point in this one little one-minute speech was to, quote, enjoy your stupid life. And it really resonated with me because he brings up a lot of the problems that I see happening today. And I'm trying to enjoy my stupid life. But here we go. This is just a minute. So there's, a lot of, there's a lot of uncertainty going on. Just a lot of stupid people doing stupid things. And it seems like every day just people get more ridiculous and things are getting more ridiculous all the time. But... You know, things have been pretty ridiculous for a long time. Just now we're just more aware of how ridiculous they are because we all have access to more uh, of the ridiculousness that's going on. So it's all stupid. It's always been stupid. It's always probably going to be stupid. So I just hope it takes some time to just look around this world and go, well, this place is pretty cool. This life thing is pretty cool. In spite of all the stupidness. Okay, so hope you're enjoying your stupid life. Appreciate it for what it is. Now, that sounds like it could be taken negatively, but I think it's really the most positive thing ever. He's basically saying... Yeah, it's, it's liberating. 
Humans are a bunch of goofy, screwed-up people, and we created this technology which lets us know even more and more often that everybody is really kind of goofy and weird and has bad ideas. You know, before, you had to be a certain type of person that was able to speak to the public, and there were gatekeepers, and now everybody's just speaking, and now you know the weird opinions of people that live across the street that you never would have known before because you're being polite to one another face to face. And so I, people are often saying, oh man, the whole world's going to hell or everything's bad and everything's negative and oh my God. And then, and I often think like, probably not. I think it's probably just always been this way. And that's how <laughs> I, I kind of thought, but this guy just pulled that out and, and said that to me, you know, and I always think like when I was little, I thought, oh, you know, adults, adults out there, they're really smart and they think through things and they're logical. And then now that I'm an adult, I'm looking around at other, other adults and think hmm, only about 5%. And so this guy basically kind of said to me what I've been feeling. And that's, oh, my Lord, there's there's craziness going on. There's craziness everywhere. But I can I can dart my way around it and find my own path. And also, one of the only reasons why it's so upsetting is because my expectations were too high. And that we, you and I, Allison, of this generation, Generation X, we are in a weird position because we lived in the PS and then AS, you know, area, like pre-stupid and post-stupid. Oh. So we knew that there was this life before, which seemed to make more sense and was less mm -hmm. chaotic. But it was just because what and we had access to. Yeah, I was going to say the, the dividing line being the social media, which is showing us the widespread stupidity. I think I read something a while back that, may, that made sense to me that said that in, I think it was 2014, the like and share button got added on mm. Facebook. So then people, you know, like like little mice or rats running around, getting hit in the feeder bar, people uh, got affirmation off of saying certain things. It got liked, it got shared. And then also because of the share, bad ideas traveled much faster. So, and then that's when, if mm -hmm. you look at that line of demarcation, things start to get really silly after that, you know? Um, mm -hmm. That that's that's when that happened. So maybe we can make the demarcation of like PS and AS uh, in, in in 2014. Yeah, this guy has almost like a Matthew McConaughey vibe. I I, I don't know what he looks like, but his his voice and his just general ethos. Yeah, I feel like he's banged on some bongos before after taking a little hit of weed. <laughs> But overall, have you seen? Oh, go oh God, sorry. Yeah. No, no. I'm, I am, I am harshing your mouth. <laughs> I'm bringing you down. You're I'm turning your punch bowl of life. There's mellow. a similar, there's a similar video, a sort, uh, uh, message wise, uh, which has been going around, which is this guy talking about some of the imagery that's come back from that telescope about, of deep space, saying like, look, these are all these, you know, galaxies, and just talking about how small we are in the, you know, infinite scheme of things, and how ultimately 
Yeah, like that should yeah, be yeah. liberating. It's huge, man. That's really, really huge. Yeah, it's not going to help you with the COVID, but, you know, it's really huge. <laughs> you're so tall, small, man, you know? <laughs> yes, and that we live in this beautiful, huge universe, and yet we're uh, sitting there, like, doom scrolling and watching people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, subtweet each other on Twitter. Uh, right. So, this was a good thing for me to look at and go, you know what? This isn't going away. None of this craziness, none of this ridiculousness is going away. It's here, and it may intensify. Eventually, we'll hit critical crazy mass, right? Maybe we're there. But eventually, <laughs> so it's our jobs not to overly indulge it or to engage with it. It's our jobs to protect mm-hmm. our own sanity and and also have a laugh at just, oh, my God, what 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 are we as a species, you know? Upworthy Weekly. A man shares a vasectomy story and shows how easy it is for men to help with birth control. Uh, I don't know where you are with thoughts of getting snipped or if you have friends who have. I do have friends who have done it uh, and who swear by it. Um, But anyway, a 23-year-old man opened up about getting a vasectomy and how easy the process was. His name is Keith Lau. He's a content creator, and he made a video explaining it in the hopes of inspiring more men to do the same. And I believe we have some audio. Uh, Day of, I got Valium for the anxiety. Uh, Walking in, um, I got local anesthesia. Day of, I got Valium for the anxiety. Uh, He had me at Valium. Mm-hmm. Walking in, um, I got local anesthesia. I was awake the whole time through the procedure, which was really weird, but it only lasted like 10 to 15 minutes, so it wasn't that bad. Um, afterwards, I basically didn't really work out for about a week. Um, the first three days or so, I used a lot of heavy ibuprofen, icing, didn't really move too much. But then after that, I like was pretty good to go um, and I can do everything at this point, so I'm good. Now, what I've heard, a friend of mine got the snip, and he explained something to me that this guy did not explain. Okay, obviously the guy, you know, he was conscious and everything, and part of the thing, now remember, I'm not a doctor. I am not a doctor. I don't play one on podcasts. So this (laughs) is medical information that may not be reliable. All I know is that my buddy Mike told me. Well, if Mike told you. It's got to be true. So sue Mike. But if it's wrong, sue Mike, but you will not sue his future offspring because the vasectomy was successful. But what he said was, though, there's a there's a cottering part of it where they kind of burn something after they sniff the sniff. (laughs) (laughs) I think they did it wrong then. (laughs) (laughs) Sniff your tube. (laughs) No. after the cottering, cauterizing, uh, yeah, the cauterizing of the tube, that he could smell the burn on his ball tube. <laughs> Sorry, um, I I was not aware of cauterizing, but they they might do some cauterizing, and yeah, you would you would smell a little bit of singe, sure. S- smells like burning balls in here. <laughs> Uh, well, that's gross. Yeah. So he he um, 
he told me was that, that enough was, for him to regret it no he he's really happy because uh, you know he doesn't have to worry about having any more children and he, he had two yeah. and uh was done with it but you know it See, the problem is with me. Here's here's where I'm at on it. And, you know, obviously the Roe v. Wade and everything as a married couple and everything, obviously it doesn't affect as much because if you end up having mm. a kid, well, you know, we'll have it. And, you know, the, and the window's closing in on uh, my wife's fertility at this point. But right, she'll be happy to hear that. Hey, babe. <laughs> but my, my thought was, and I told this to my wife when she was talking about getting a vasectomy, I said, what if you happen to be walking down the street and there's like some piano movers, you know, moving a, a piano into a second story window, piano falls, crashes, you're gone, I'm alone. Oh, mm, the anvil situation in reverse. Yeah, yeah. And um, Margot Roby. Finds me on Twitter right. and it was like, Todd, I'm ready. I'm ready for you. It's time to get married. But then she's like, Oh, but what I really want is a child. And Children, you already have yeah. one beautiful child, and I can't I can't provide that to her. And I don't I don't trust I don't trust the vasectomy reversal thing because I mean once you cauterize, right. you can't uncauterize something. It's like a permanent thing. They say it's re- they say it's reversible though. Um, so that's why I'm wondering with the cauterization, are we sure that they cauterize again? We're not doctors. Are we sure they cauterized the, the tube or was it some, something else they might've cauterized? The the way I think it is, I think it's like, you know, like in, inside of a testicle is like a bottle of yarn that is tube, right? Okay. And, and, and it can unravel. I've heard stories, but and then, but then here's the problem. Let's say you had a bottle of yarn that was all mashed together, and uh, and you cut it somewhere, somewhere within that. How are you going to find where it was cut again if it's you know, in there? I don't right. know. So they're going to have to sit and search uh, through everything. <laughs> you get a cat in there. This is where the upworthy cat comes into play. Mm. The vasectomy um, cat. I hear what you're saying. You know what you should do. Go freeze some sperm for your Margo for your likely Margot Robbie situation. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you to go get. Uh, it's 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 a you know as I feel with everything. It's uh it's an individual choice. But so Keith Lau was saying that some people are like, but you're only 23. Blah blah blah. He already has a three year old child. So people are misjudging him. People are like, you're too young, da-da-da. He already has a kid. I think people should look into the reversibility of this. Yeah, and I assume technology only gets better. But, you know, mm-hmm. the good point is that he's saying, and I think it's something all men should hear, that it's like, you know, taking charge of one's reproductive life isn't just a female responsibility. And, you know, exactly. take, it takes two, as uh, Rob Bass once said. Yeah. And it seems to be a pretty minor and mild procedure. Mm-hmm. What I've heard is that men get it done around March Madness. Yes. So that they, then they could sit and watch basketball for, <laughs> for a yeah. week or whatever with uh, the canopies <laughs> on their crotch. Right. I have heard this too. Upworthy, Upworthy Weekly. weekly. 
because the Upworthy writing staff was pretty much just all hanging out together, nobody was writing anything. So I was looking around for what Upworthy put out this week for us to talk about, and I did find some cool stuff on our Instagram page, which we should highlight more often. And our socials team does a great job. If you're not following uh, Upworthy on Instagram, please do. If you Get are with the program, I know. And if you are, you know who you'll be like. Also. Potential, if my wife got hit with the piano people, uh, Kristen Bell. Yes. Jennifer Garner. Yes. Uh, Natalie Portman. Oh. Yeah, new one. Uh, Chris Rock. Uh, wow. The Rock. Wow. Yeah, there's like, so, you know, whenever our videos go up there, uh, Allison, it's it's a lot of, lot of good Good people, not a lot of luminaries are yeah. looking at us in case our spouses perish under anvils or pianos. Yeah. <laughs> Good news. <laughs> I-, I could wind up with the rock, you know, who knows? He's, <laughs> he's a honk. <laughs> right. Uh, so there were, there were two things I liked and one was uh, Upworthy shared somebody who had a, a photo and you know, how people have little free libraries in front of their homes. We have a couple yes. in our neighborhood and I love them. I, I grabbed a really great Beach Boys book out of one of them. I remember one day in a Richard Dawkins book. But uh, and it's a cool thing where people who don't know they have think out a little free library and it's a little stand that people put out in front of their houses and they put books in them and it's like a leave a penny take a penny kind of thing, but with books. And this person went next level and made a quote little free blockbuster for those of you. Uh, who are uh, over the age of 35, there was a thing called Blockbuster Video, and you had a rental card, and you went in there, and you got some popcorn, and you rented Weekend at Bernie's 2 or whatever, and you brought it back. This, it's like a leave a penny, take a penny, but with like DVDs. So you can grab a, a DVD and then go watch it that night, and then if you're cool, bring it back, you know? Or then just drop off yours. And I think we've come to the point where like a DVD used to be an expensive thing that you were afraid mm-hmm. of losing. And now it's like, well, I can just stream it, you know. So uh, it's a cool little physical media thing that people have. And I was like, I'd, I'd like to maybe create one of those in my neighborhood. You should. And fill it with nothing but like really pretentious films that no one wants to watch. Like it's, this is all Kurosawa and, you know. <laughs> Truffaut. Yeah, yeah. 400. <laughs> no one has picked uh, up Breathless or uh, Eight and a Half. Uh, or maybe it'll just be like people who've been canceled. You know, it'll just be like yes. all like super problematic people. And then I'll put a right. camera and I'll be like, oh, who took the Kevin Spacey movies this week? Oh, it was right. Joe. We should avoid him. Mm-hmm. We actually had, I didn't know whether to share or not. We had a little free library in my uh not my immediate neighbor. You know how on next door you can like see your immediate neighborhood and then like some surrounding neighborhoods. So a few neighborhoods over, someone was writing on next door because someone had left some smut in the little free library and they wanted to know who was behind it. That's why that's like the benefit of next door is that you get to read about stuff like that. Was it smut or erotica? Cause there's a difference. You know what I'm saying? Like smut. Yeah. Smut makes you feel a little dirty, which is cool. But no, and then, then erotica is more like tasteful. I think it was smut. I think mm. I can't remember exactly. I don't think it was erotica. I don't think it was. I don't think it was reading. I don't think the. Uh, I don't think what was off color about it was the words. I think it was the images. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
Uh, it was funny. I was actually doing research for something this week, and I found the the best article I found on the topic was Penthouse mm-hmm. Magazine did an expose on something in like 1989, and I was like, "Wow, writing at Penthouse was fantastic. Who knew?" Yeah, I know people always credit Playboy with having the good articles, but Penthouse. Uh, who knew? Uh, Not I. And then, then I had to like immediately like run out to my wife. Like, if you see the penthouse link, come up in the browser. This was not me going old school here. This is uh, so. Another thing was that they posted on the Instagram that I liked is a person wrote on on some social media platform that they saw a little kid who was like seven dropping icy in Target. You know, he had a big slushy. He dropped the slushy. And the kid got upset, and then the dad just had great advice, which I I wish my dad would have said to me. And he kind of got down on the kid's level, and he said, you're going to be a human being for a long time, and you have such a smart brain that it's important you know to be more aware of what you're doing. Hmm. Great. Accidents like these can be prevented, but it's still okay if they happen as long as you take responsibility for your mistakes. And I think that's really powerful. Well, A, like, look, you're going to be a human. You're stuck in this weird, awkward body. You have this weird, awkward brain. You have these weird needs, wants, and desires. So you're going to have to figure out how to work it right. I like that. I like saying, you know, I like that perspective. Um, But I, I like the idea that it's okay as long as you take responsibility for what you did because we all make mistakes. And I think, Allison, you and I are two people who like to self flagellate. Mm-hmm. and beat ourselves up forever. And I think instead of just looking at the mistakes we make in life, we should go, hey, but what did I do to make it better? And if I made something, if I fixed it and I took responsibility, then maybe I shouldn't beat myself up because I'm a human, you know? Can you get yes. with that? Yes. I, I think, I don't know who it was. It might have been Greg Fitzsimmons, actually. Sage Greg Fitzsimmons, who... But it might not have. Someone was like, you just think to your, if, if you're doing that, just think to yourself, next time I will X, Y, Z. And if you like think to yourself, what will I do different next time? I find that sometimes if I do that, it can like uh, free me from uh, ruminating. I like it. I like it. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's time to rate your week. Have something great happen this week that you just have to share with the world? Tell us about it by emailing us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com. Allison, rate your week on a scale of one to five. One being COVID-19, five being COVID-24. Rate your week. I'm going to give it a 1.5 again. Mm. Filled with COVID-19. Didn't feel good. Mm. Would have liked to just crumple up in a lump and just sleep, but I got to take care of my kids. And uh, obviously we can't have a babysitter or anyone because we have COVID. (laughs) And um, I keep delaying when she's going to come back. You know, at first it was like, X many days after the kids had it. But then once Daniel got it, I had to delay it again. And then once I got it, I had to delay it again. 
So it keeps getting delayed because I don't want her to get it, you know, obviously. So um, that blows. And um, sorry, I've, I've lost the, my train of thought, which again, I'm going to blame on that. Um, so anyway, yeah, so it's been a rough week. Um, but, but it's not a total one. I'm going to give it a 0.5 because I had a lot of time with my kids. Mm. Um, I, uh, and that, and my shows have been fun, even though I am a bit spacey. So I've had good shows this week. Uh, and I put Elliot to bed last night. He's been wanting me to put him to bed. I put him to bed last night. And, um, on the one hand, he, he seemed very wound up. And so I was like, I really just want to put him to bed and get out of here. But he really but I kind of just like accepted it and he really wanted to talk. He, he kept wanting, he's like, can we talk? Mm. <laughs> he didn't care what we talked about. He just wanted to talk. And I'm like, as long as you are laying down, we can talk. So I just made sure that he was laying down and then he just wanted to, wanted to have a real gab sesh. So what do you want to be when you grow up? What's your favorite color? What's your favorite number? Let's talk about Halloween costumes. Let's talk podcaster. about Disneyland. I like yellow. <laughs> no, this was me asking him these questions. No, um, I'm, I'm answering them. I mean, it's a oh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my my lived experience is important too, Allison. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to decenter you, Todd. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, eh, as much as I am tired, and this is the end of the day, and I do wish he would just fall asleep. It's kind of like special time that he just wants to talk. So. Um, yeah, so that was my week and, uh, no, I'm not a better person. I'm the same infected person I was before. And you Todd on a scale of one being COVID and five being wonderful. How are you? How was your week? Uh, I'm going to give it a four because you, I had a great week because we, again, we had our Upworthy retreat and I was with all the amazing Upworthy people and this, this, and I learned some great things like the thing about luck and serendipity and I can't read, wait to read the Christian Bush book and we had a speaker, I, I mentioned this before, we had the speaker that marched with Dr. King and he was really inspiring so I just felt really good coming out of that and uh, really happy and proud of what, what I, where I work and what I do. And am I a better person? Yeah. Well, yeah, because I have, I'm feeling a little bit more like focused on luck and serendipity. And then also because I learned the importance of giving back because Upworthy made a whole garden for veterans in uh, Los Angeles. And we got to hang out with some of the veterans that um, were at the facilities. It was like by a golf course and it was like free for vets to come play golf. And they were really appreciative and just wonderful, inspiring people. So I feel uh, like I'm a better person because I was around cool, inspiring people and you know was inspired by the people at Upworthy. So yes. That's so cool. Yes. Allison Rosen, I hope that your COVID goes away. Me too. Thank you very much. And I, I hope that you don't get it, Todd. I, you know, I've had a little thing in the back of my throat, but you, you can't I get... I know. Uh, is next week, is it going to be I'm me? I'm concerned. I, yes. Upworthy Weekly was produced by Todd Perry. Follow Upworthy on all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen. 
and Todd at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Questions, comments, or to tell us about your amazing week, email us at UpworthyWeekly at Upworthy.com. I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week. Right, like, what do you have for me today, Satan?